Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the greatest generation, Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Adam, it's been a long time since we've whipped out the cards and declared war on one another. And this would be the first time on the DS9 version of the show, right? Yeah, I mean, are we are we even allowed to keep playing this game? Do they make cards for DS9? They probably don't, right? This, this is all TNG-specific stuff. I've seen trading cards for DS9, but I don't know if there's a, a card game. I think it says a lot about uh, how people view DS9 <laughs> when it doesn't even have a collectible card game, Ben. Man, sad. <laughs> Before we get into the game... Uh, now that we've planted that that's what we're going to do, uh, that they've probably sold a bunch by now, given the fact that some other shows on the network sold out within the first instance of, uh, of being on sale. But uh, our priority one messages were not on sale for a little while because we sold out for the rest of 2017. And as of this recording, the first half of 2018... Priority one messages are available. So if uh, if you have a thing that you want a P1 for in the first six months of 2018, now's your chance. Uh, yeah, for that, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Let's get into a card war, Ben. We're at war. There's been no formal declaration of war. Maybe this trick will bring us some luck. That nonsense is centuries behind us. War! We're going to war! Once again, uh, we are playing Star Trek Collectible Card Game War, in which uh, Ben and I both draw a single card for three rounds of action, and then we decide, quite subjectively, <laughs> whose card in each round reigns supreme. Have, uh, do you think we've picked up listeners that were like, well, I don't want to listen to this show because it's about TNG, but now that it's about DS9, I'm in. Probably, and now we're <laughs> and now we're turning them back off. Yeah. Uh, all right, you ready to flip? Yeah, let's do it. Three, two, one. Ben, I have event. Events tend to be the more powerful cards sure. in this game that we play. It's it's the event where no one has gone before, <laughs> wherein the traveler transcends space and thought. <laughs> he took the USS Enterprise to Galaxy M thirty three, then to an even greater extra-galactic distance. Mm. Anything having to do with the Traveler seems to be uh, fairly powerful. I'll just say that. It remains to be seen what card you have and whether or not it'll be, it'll be more powerful. The card I have is Portal Guard. Uh, <laughs> Portal 63 is the last remaining protector of the Takan Empire, which went extinct 600,000 years ago. Challenges those who awaken him. I think this is the They Call Me Tim guy from the first Ferengis episode with Anybody Canyon. Oh, yeah. Oh, that guy. <laughs> yeah, that guy. The guy who just seemed kind of super bored with the whole thing. Yeah. I don't think this guy wound up being much of a dilemma. <laughs> I don't think so either. Kind of think. I think 
I think you edged me out on this one, Adam. All right, I'll take it. One and nothing. Ready to flip the second card? Yeah. Three, two, one. I have uh, Romulan officer Talus. The Romulan representative of those serving in the Romulan Star Empire with integrity of three, cunning of seven, and strength of seven. That's a great card, Ben, but I'm not sure it beats Dukath, the Klingon trained in the field of science. He's <laughs> who studied the effects of Berthold rays on plant life, and he served aboard the Pach. This is the second Pach crewman I've gotten while playing this war game with you. Yeah. The first... Uh, the first famously being Vecma, the uh, <laughs> the girl whose advances were spurred by by Riker in, at the, least, in the cafeteria. At least as far as was depicted in the episode. Right. There there may have been a luncheon that we were not privy to. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I think I'm gonna give that one to you, Ben. Oh really? Yeah, I think so. That, that's I think that's generous. Is it really? <laughs> Like, no one even knows Dukath. Like, I'm seeing a picture of the guy. He's a science officer on a Klingon ship. How worthless is that? All right. This guy actually knew Ram Yarlin, which has got to be good for something. That's what I'm saying. He was he was close to the... What are his stats? Oh, you know what? We occasionally do defer to stats for this decision. We I've got Integrity 5, Cunning 6, Strength 7. Hmm... Uh, I think numerically you're one one up on me. Oh, jeez. All right. I'll take it. I mean, here's the thing. Like, when the numbers... Like, the numbers should tell the truth. Yeah. And and I think we have to, to, to have the numbers be the first point of ranking between cards. And then it if, if falls both cards on us have to the subjectively numbers. judge yeah. on our own. Yeah. All right. Ready to flip our last card? Yes. All right, three, two, one. <laughs> Speaking of Vecma, that's who I've got. What? Yeah. Integrity six, cunning five, strength six. It's less fun when we get repeats. <laughs> yeah. I have interrupt near warp transport. <laughs> it's a physically disconcerting transport at high speed. Yeah, I thought I was in that wall over there. Yeah, it uh, it disconcerts your opponents <laughs> by transporting them at high speed. Well, my sense, Adam, is that you've uh, beaten me by two to one. Oh yeah, you're gonna stick Vecma above uh, near warp transport. Fuck yeah! Yeah, I think Vecma is more disconcerting than near warp transport. <laughs> I think we're in agreement there. All right, Adam, should we get into the episode we came here to talk about today? Do we have to? <laughs> this is one of those episodes that as I was watching it I had all the comments in the back of my head that I read about doing Deep Space Nine for the purposes of our show which was like boy those first couple of seasons are quite a drag we'll see if we can make some comedy hay out of Deep Space Nine season one episode four Babble do you realize how incredible this is <laughs> No, of course you don't. It's episode four of a brand new series, and I feel like the writers of Deep Space Nine looked back on season one and next gen, and they were like, can we make the naked now and Deep Space Nine only make it somehow less fun? Yeah, there definitely seems to be 
like a series of moves that that they have for early seasons and this is definitely one of them so uh maybe i mean maybe as we talk this through we'll find the drunk shimoda of of the series because the naked now in, in many ways is the episode that keeps on giving it's true it gives and gives pumping comedy into every episode that we make <laughs> this episode starts close up on an airlock alien who is banging on the glass and o'brien is uh explaining him to, to him that uh save your energy we'll have you out of there as soon as possible like listen dude you're not getting a speaking part just just mouth it incoherently maybe it's a different language maybe it's just you know we just can't hear you through the, fog glass, the but- glass and then write the words in the fog with your finger <laughs> We're not paying you as a as a featured character. You're an extra. But yeah, like this uh, this kicks off like a montage of sequences with O'Brien uh, attempting to fix things on the station. The station is still in a state of disrepair, and O'Brien's days are all about just fielding angry uh, harangues from different people on the staff and people visiting the station who have things going wrong and it's you know he's just got a list of a list of things he needs to fix it seems like there may be six federation people serving on the station and o'brien seems to have a fairly heavy lift as far as all the responsibilities that he has (laughs) i see him struggling he's getting a ton of guff from all comers he needs some help he does. In that first scene, he's got, like, a couple of lackeys, uh, you know, with their with their sleeves rolled up working on this on this airlock door problem. Right. And, um, and they seem, you know, like exactly what he needs in the entire rest of the episode. He definitely spends a lot of time, like, solo fixing very critical systems. He's really like the Peter Principle incarnate because he was really good at transporter room and now he got a promotion to space station handyman and he is barely hanging on. Yeah, he uh, walked into the station and said, uh, no water? This place is a dump. There was no star wipe to hunky dudes in banana hammocks lounging by the promenade. People seem to be putting up with the idea of things not working station-wide up to the point where replicators stop working or stop working in a way that is acceptable. Yeah, I love... uh, There's a lot of, like, taking a sip of coffee out of a super 90s commuter mug and then spitting it out on the floor. That's what I'm saying, Ben. Like, for as many spit-take-worthy scenes... (laughs) <laughs> Does anyone ever spit into the air in this episode? It should happen four times. It should. I I wonder what misreplicated coffee tastes like. Is it does it taste like gasoline or does it taste just like bad coffee? Like like what are the what are they experiencing here? Is it like the free coffee in your room if you stay at a Motel 6 or is it something like very dangerous because it's just throwing 
random molecules together in a glass. It just tastes like Sanka. Sanka brand's 100% real coffee without too much caffeine. Is it the lack of good coffee that is more aggravating to him, or is it that he has to fix every goddamn thing on the station? Yeah, well, it's like, it's kind of both, I think. Yeah. Like, he gives my wife a run for her money and the number of times he rolls his eyes in this, uh, yeah. in this, you know, in this cold open. <laughs> O'Brien gets uh, gets put on replicator detail, and he manages to fix a couple of them, but not all of them. Cork's replicator is still pretty fucked up, and the customers are not happy with the flavor of their soup. <laughs> I'm not going to eat that shit. The last one he fixed, I guess, is in ops, and uh, like when he when he gets it replicating well, the camera eerily pans through the the guts of the machine and finds a little device with tubes plugged into the system. And, uh, that's our, that's our smash to title sequence. So we know that there's going to be something amiss with the replicators, but, uh, when we come back from title sequence, like Odo has to stop someone from murdering Quark with soup because <laughs> those customers, as you said, are very upset. Can you recall the last time you went to a restaurant and got an upsettingly bad meal wherein you had to like have a conversation with a server or a manager? We went to a Thai restaurant uh, over by the Americana at Brand recently. God, there you go. Just giving them more and more free press, Ben. I was joking with my wife as we were leaving the other day, like... Like, we make fun of this place and think that there's some things about it that are very lame, and yet we're here, like, more than more often than once a week, so. Yeah. <laughs> so who's the joke really on? That's the shortest distance between you and Xiaolong Bao, man. Yeah. Well, we, we wanted Thai food this night, and uh, we stopped in, and, like, it wasn't, it wasn't that the food was bad, it was that they... It's a, maybe a 10-table establishment. We mm-hmm. were one of two tables that was occupied. We ordered three dishes, and there were mistakes uh, or or differences in all three of them. Like, you know, like we ordered uh, steamed tofu on uh, on our pad CU, and it came out as fried tofu. Oh. It was like, you know, like, it was like a series of things like that. And even that, even all three, all three dishes coming out incorrect, I did not really make a comment <laughs> Was the was the French guy at the other table like uh, you call this Penang curry? <laughs> this is an atrocity. This is, you do not put peanut and potato in the same dish. <laughs> I mean, this is a fun scene in Quark's bar because Quark is is like is sitting there talking to Odo, who is. You know, who's kind of making fun of Quark for having very few customers in, and uh, they're kind of re 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 reestablishing their mutual antipathy. But then Odo has to come in, like step in and and pull the nasty soup spoon out of out of Quark's mouth and tell the guy to take a hike. It kind of sucks to be Quark because not only do you have to go to work every day and like serve a thankless lunchroom full of people but you got this odo guy just hanging all over your ass like (laughs) every shift like just basically making fun of you to your face for your entire shift yeah that sucks 
Yeah, Odo uh, is kind of a bully. <laughs> it serves to help me really like Cork and, and feel for him and identify for him in a way that I think without Odo as the foil, I don't know if you get there with him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like without the without the salt of Odo, it, it would not bring out the sweet of Cork. <laughs> you could say it that way. He's, he's like uh, he's like pretzels crumbled up and uh, sprinkled over your ice cream. You know, right. it's like incongruous, but yet it makes it even more delicious. <laughs> uh, Cork kind of looks like a pretzel. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I mean. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. Uh, Odo lets slip that O'Brien's uh, O'Brien's repair rounds have uh, resulted in the replicators in Ops being A-OK, while the replicators in Quark's bar are uh, messed up and not working properly. So Quark uh, uses some... Uh, illegal seeming technology to crack the computer and find out which replicators are up and running. And uh, thus begins the caper. This moment really raised my eyebrows, Ben, because it it would appear that Quark has command level computer access. Yes. What? (laughs) What? And Odo is like on him, like stink on shit and (laughs) has not figured this out and will not figure this out. What in the hell? Yeah. Good good on Cork for like having a stack of Cardassian isolinear chips at the ready, like ready to reprogram his computer with. I admire his tenacity. He's great and resourceful. We get a kind of interesting scene in here where Kira and Dax are wandering around on the promenade and Dax is like having a moment, like a a little like I'm in a new body moment where all of the dudes on the promenade are turning and staring at her. And she's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this. Forget about being a lady. I have been a dude for 80 years, and now people want to look at my boobs. It has just been a weird couple of weeks to watch stories about women in the workplace, Ben. Yeah. Of course, we're not allowed to get on our social justice warrior tip on this anymore, Adam. That's right. Got a very very angry email from somebody who canceled their monthly support of our show because I expressed what he called white guilt. Oh, boy. <laughs> Congratulations, guy. Yeah. Yeah. You've really taken a stand for, I guess, white supremacy? Here's to being on the side of not showing any empathy at all, ever. <laughs> like, I, I think that their, their two perspectives on this are interesting, because Kira is, like, not a fan, you know? But she is, uh, she is going to live one life as a woman, whereas Dax is an ankylosaur, and she is going to have other opportunities to not be a woman. And so she gets to, like, just enjoy the difference of it. Without this being a permanent aspect of her reality, you know? This is a thing that, like, Buddhists meditate on a bunch. (laughs) Like, the impermanence of all things and how you can get through trying times by just considering the impermanence of of what's happening. And the idea that that could be translated somehow into a, like, super long lifetime way of thinking about it is really cool to me. Yeah, she's just like, listen, Kira... 
They're going to look at your boobs, but what you got to remember is all is Brahman. (laughs) (laughs) That's the dumbest joke of all time. (laughs) They show up at Quark's bar. Quark is like, hey, come, come in here. It's not creepy at all. I swear. Perhaps I could interest you in a nice double whipped Danny and Spice pudding. And, uh... Kira's like, fuck you, Quark, I'm out of here. And then Dax is like, I'm game, let's do it. As uh, Kira heads back up to Ops, she runs into the chief, and she's like checking in with him about how his impossibly long list of repairs is going. And he just starts kind of saying nonsense to her. like Major Lark's true pepper. What? English words that don't string together to form coherent thoughts. Shout easy play. Chief, you're not making any sense. O'Brien was on the Enterprise during Naked Now, but I can't remember a scene where where he was present. Do you? Yeah, he's in episode one. Like, on, I, I think he's on that battle bridge when, uh, yeah. when Riker has to put the, put the pieces back together. Do you think every time he gets a fever, he thinks it's going to be like a sexy fever? (laughs) Like, it's weird how there was never any... Well, it's not weird because in the context of Next Generation, nothing lasts longer than the episode that it takes place in. But like, henceforth, you would think any sort of... uh, fever or or sweat would <laughs> would make make you think that uh you're about to fuck yeah i mean i think that uh the other weird omission from this episode is that we never see keiko or molly and right. i feel like if if the chief is is like patient zero and sick and getting sicker it's it's surprising that the implications of that for his family are never explored I felt the same way, especially because as the story goes on and more and more people succumb to the virus, the one relationship you get is is Jake and Cisco. Yeah, like, which, but which is good. But O'Brien's but relationship to his wife and kid are in many ways like more pronounced in the series up to now. Yeah, a weird choice, a weird uh, a, a weird way they took this. Maybe Keiko's asking for that John Lithgow money. <laughs> That's a whole different uh, podcast, Adam. You're making callbacks that like half of these people aren't even going to get. I'm cutting our 2% in half. <laughs> but O'Brien's uh, like subjected to a battery of tests by the doctor and is pronounced aphasic, which means that uh, there's something interrupting the process whereby he applies words and names to objects and things and uh his actual thinking hasn't been affected but he's incapable of expressing himself or understanding others he can't even write the messages like he writes out a, a message on an ipad at one point and it's it itself is a bunch of nonsense and the terrifying part of this description to me ben wasn't so much the babbling the incoherence of the person but that they also could not understand other people speaking at them. Yeah. And that's a part of it that is not really shown in this episode. Like, the terror of of someone talking to you and not understanding them, you don't see that half of it. And I thought that was a missed opportunity. It's especially weird that they, like, there's one POV shot in this episode, uh, 
later later on in the app where the doctor is like reading a screen of results from his experiments to try and fix this and it cuts to a screen that has a bunch of nonsense words on it and it's the doctor's pov of that screen yeah it's like a very very rare pov shot in trek and a rare pov shot in the only pov shot in this episode and it is like not the pov shot i would have burned my my one on you know I was really distracted by this shot, mostly because it looks like the operating system on DS9 was designed by the same guy who made the original Oregon Trail video game. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that it's it's a, it's the same font as the original iPod. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks really bad. Yeah, this the, the upgrade to HD, I feel like, would be less kind to this show than it was to TNG. Because on this show, they're actually like using contemporary to when they shot it computer monitors hidden behind right. the the glass panels and TNG they didn't even bother with that it was all like film printed film behind those glass panels yeah it would be a much greater challenge so they got a they got a mystery on their hands like what is this disease it seems like more and more people are coming down with it and if they got to figure out where it's coming from and uh, why people are getting it. And so they put a quarantine on the station. They uh, they tell all the businesses that they have to shut down. Cork conveniently ignores this, I guess. And uh, and yeah, it's a crisis. Like the the commander puts puts everybody on a list of uh, a list of tasks to try and solve the problem. Like Bashir is on uh, come up with an antidote duty. Kira is on a track down what O'Brien was working on and see if you can't figure out where his his path crossed with this virus. And he like turns to Dax and he's about to give Dax, Dax a job and she starts being aphasic like as she's responding. Foolish, assembled, regal, controlled weather. She gets that look on her face like that lady on airplane who keeps popping eggs out of her mouth. <laughs> It's, That's a very specific kind of facial acting. Like, she seems to be aware that she's not making sense before anybody says something back to her. But I think I think it's she's reacting to the expressions on their faces. Yeah, that's a great point. Like, when you're aphasic, do you know that you're aphasic when you're talking? Or do you think that you're making sense? Like, I was wondering that in the, like, a, the couple of scenes in this episode where somebody, like, mid-sentence starts saying crazy shit. And I think both times they are looking at somebody who lets horror wash over their face as the as the change takes place. So there's a little bit of persuasiveness too in like when someone is suffering from the aphasia, they'll start speaking and then they'll repeat something in a in a persuasive manner that would seem to indicate that they 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 understand what they're saying and they don't understand why no one else can. Right. Well, despite everything being shut down on the station, Quark's bar is going great, and this uh, <laughs> causes Odo to be highly suspicious. This quarantine has everybody on edge, Constable. Would you deprive them of a little harmless diversion? And he, I guess he he catches Quark like replicating shit in a in an unoccupied crew quarters, which um, I guess their replicators are on the same system as the ops deck. He does this by turning himself into a beverage cart. <laughs> yeah. Which is so great. Yeah. Like, 
He can't make a nose and ears, but he can make four casters. Yeah. If I if I had the ability to change myself into something, beverage cart would be high on my list. Uh, not long after this is when uh, Jake comes down with the with the disease, which really kind of ratchets up the tension. And like people are dropping like flies, but this is what causes him to kick into high gear and start kind of kind of kicking down doors to get this dealt with. Ben Cisco tries to hug it out of him, <laughs> as is his way. Yeah, I don't remember ever being touched as much. As a teenager, <laughs> this is an ongoing problem for me when I see Jake and Ben interact, like as a father and son. Like <laughs> that, the, there are lots of physical expressions of affection in their relationship. Yeah. I think I think it really lays bare uh, just how little of that I got growing up. <laughs> this is very therapeutic to talk this out with you, Ben. Yeah, I was kind of. Uh, I, I had that available to me, but I was uh, dispositionally uh, not not given to it. Like to to this day, like if my wife like like uh, we call it nurking, if she get does like a light touch, I go I get like the willies and I will like you know move her hand. Oh, away. really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Not a fan. Nurking? Yeah. Is that a is that a real thing or is that a name you came up with? Uh I didn't come up with it. Somebody else did. But uh wow. Yeah, it's just like any time any time a, a loved one puts a hand on that is not like a any like appreciable amount of pressure, you know? You like a hard touch. I want, That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. I want to uh, I want you to go for it or not go at all. When you get a massage, you're asking for elbows and knees. I don't get any massages at him. Can't have that. Don't like them. They're, they're, always, they're always trying to nurk you, huh? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what? I'm paying you for this? Give me a break. <laughs> so this virus is like, it's not just boggle, but for your mouth. It's uh, it's also killing people, right? <laughs> like, like they go to the the emergency ward that they've set up, and it's it's not just people sitting around saying crazy nonsense. They're like lying down on cots and they're sick and sweaty. And the chief is in really bad shape. He's like, he is laid out unconscious. The doctor thinks maybe he has 12 hours to live. O'Brien, just before he goes into his coma, is like, is everyone in this room about to fuck? (laughs) Ben, one of the people I noticed in this room uh, is Anne Gillespie. Playing uh, one of the nurses here, Ann Gillespie famously played Steve Sanders' mom in Beverly Hills 90210. Oh. One of those that ladies. Yeah. From film and television. She's great. Well, stay tuned, because I have more things to say about her. Uh-oh. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert. They come up with the idea that this virus... Like, Kira's, Kira finds the, the, the tube that... Uh, or the uh, the uh, device that is that is pumping the virus into the replicators, and she's like, "This is a fucking Cardassian thing. It's got a Cardassian battery in it. Uh, it says so right here on the label. Um, Cardassians sabotaged the station before they left. This is proof." And uh, then it is kind of worked out that this is probably, in fact, a Bajoran resistance plot. And this doctor from the Bajoran Resistance, Deacon Elig, is probably the 
the devious mind that created this and they they like left this on the station or it was like built into the station by like Bajoran slave labor with the idea that they would trigger it and kill all the Cardassians living aboard. Uh, but the, but the people that were running the operation all got captured or killed before they could trigger the virus. So Deacon Ellick died in prison, but he had a lackey at him and, uh, his lackey was named Sir Mac Wren. I feel like when you're taking over a Cardassian station, you got to check all the vents and and wiring and stuff. This is like this is like the previous occupants of a foreclosed on home, like <laughs> putting a putting a fish in the furnace. Yeah. Well, like how did they not check all this? I uh, I totally was thinking about that. Like I sold an iMac to a friend of mine a few years ago. Like, it was a, an older computer of mine, and I was upgrading, and uh, I sold him my old computer. And I, you know, like, I went through it and tried to, like, unme it a little bit, like, you know, wipe the operating system and, you know. You backed up your prodigious collection of pornography? Right. All your nurking porn? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's... uh. Because it turns out, Ben, uh, you're attracted to the thing that uh, that you don't want in real life. Yeah, things that are repulsive wind <laughs> up having uh, a place in my erotic imagination. <laughs> <laughs> Two girls, one light stroke. <laughs> uh, but uh, but like it still shows up on like Find My iPhone. Like if I do Find My iPhone, there's always like an iMac in. Red Hook, Brooklyn, that shows up on that. And I'm like, no, that's not my computer anymore. And, like, I can't get them to turn that off. Like, like nobody at tech support has any way of, of deactivating that. And, like, I don't know. Like, he installed iTunes at one point, and it downloaded a bunch of music of mine. So... It's 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 sort of like it, like that problem, but compounded. Like they have an entire space station that's probably got iTunes accounts and and GP, you know, LoJack systems. Like just just installing Federation computers on this has got to be a huge risk because it's probably feeding information back up to the Cardassian cloud. Do you think Nurk Goatsy is like just <laughs> just two hands lightly touching two buns and that's it? Yeah. It's also the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so Kira gets on FaceTime with uh, with Sir Mac Ren and she's like, Hey buddy, uh this is Kira Narice just calling from Deep Space Nine. Uh, you know that virus you guys installed on the station? Well, it got out, and we're just wondering if you knew anything about how to uh, get rid of it. And he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he hangs up on her, and she gets special dispensation to leave the station, the uh, leave the quarantine zone. Ben, at what point do you hit whatever button it is that is general distress call? Because... They never think to do that, and the plan to send Kira in a runabout seems like their last hope, because Cisco needs to be talked into it. Cisco's like, no, no one's leaving this station. Like, uh, like what? you can't spread this thing to the planet's surface, and, and Kira promises him, like, she's not getting out of the shuttle. <laughs> Odo is like, let her go, man. She's our last best shot. Someone's got to communicate with the Federation at this point, right? Yeah. 
they are in Starfleet, which implies that there's more than one other spaceship in it. It feels like Cisco is willing to to die, like just entombed space station style. Yeah. Well, he's what he's doing is he's thinking about like, man, I've been on the job for like for like four weeks now. I mean, like it has not gone great. Like there have been Cardassians attacking. There's been Klingons trying to sell weapons to Bajorans. Like I need I need this not to register on Starfleet's Richter scale. They need to not know that this week was also a catastrophe. When a solution is so obvious, or, or like a, a course of action, a possible course of action is so obvious and, and, and not taken, what I wanted is to have it be associated with a character trait or flaw somehow. Like, maybe Cisco doesn't like asking for help in any circumstance, and so the idea of, of calling the cavalry would would be embarrassing to him like it's anathema even a, to his yeah character. like even a little throwaway moment of like you know i just got this command i can't be asking for help you know three weeks after being stationed here we gotta fix this thing ourselves like or even we just blew in a call to starfleet medical but the closest ship is 36 hours away at, and they're headed here at high warp but o'brien's right. got 12 hours to go yeah i've got to believe that in an early draft of the script something like that was in it it just, it seems so glaring that that call for help wouldn't be here. Kira gets, uh, gets Ren aboard the, the runabout and he's like, let me go. I don't want to be here. And she's like, well, I've been infected with your virus doctor. So now you're infected too. So you better get to, get to making with the antidote. And, like, by the time she gets back to the station, it's, like, the skeletonist of skeleton crews because Cisco has gone aphasic, uh, and it seems like Quark and Odo are the only two people in the entire station that aren't super sick. (laughs) I guess the implication is not that Ferengis are immune. Like, it makes sense that Odo is immune. It doesn't make any sense that Quark is just doing peachy. He was, like, the main vector for most Mm. people to get this disease. Odo seems really unclear about what Quark may or may not be capable of. Yeah. Like, with respect to the station and its operation, but because he's sort of the last guy standing, he has no other choice. It's strange to see Odo place trust in Quark, and it's strange to see it's 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 strange to see that trust like totally validated. Like Quark does not take undue advantage of the situation. He like winds up being pretty heroic here. Buried in the deep, deep deep B story is the captain of a trade ship that was depicted in the very first scene with O'Brien as a guy with a timeline who's just got to get the fuck out. He's got, (laughs) he's got perishable goods on his ship and he's got to take them to his delivery spot before they spoil. And so he has gotten back onto his ship and he's trying to rip his way off of it. Like there's docking clamps holding the ship to the outer ring and what he's doing is like sort of flooring the gas yeah. while the while the parking brake is on and he's just <laughs> making a smoke show outside of DS9. <laughs> and he's really in danger of blowing up not only a ship, but like a good portion of the station in doing this. And so yes. they gotta figure a way to to unhook the, the docking clamps from the ship before everyone gets killed. Odo heads down there like the 
all of the all of the doors on the uh on the airlock are open and and the ship uh on the far side is fully in, in engulfed in flames and odo like saves the captain and then like slams the doors shut and does the manual docking clamp release and uh and the ship is like is like ejected away from the station and uh and there's a pretty like exciting uh model sequence where it like flings away and explodes off the uh off the docking yeah i like that sequence a lot like the sense of speed from the ship firing away from the station was really cool it was really cool and it was like it was like oh man like this is a different level of budget like i feel like in tng season one this would have been described by data like reading something (laughs) off of a sensor panel yeah what happens as this is happening is the guy that kira brought on board has using bashir's uh notes figured out a way to cure the virus it's it's very like elliptical about everybody being back to normal it's like a commander's log and uh and there's just kind of like a slide whistle end, which is uh, which is the commander, like, you know, slaps Chief O'Brien on the back and says, good to have you back, buddy, and heads over to replicate himself some coffee. And uh, O'Brien once again replicates bad tasting coffee. This Roscoe P. Coltrane ending this show <laughs> was so tonally off. Like... How are we supposed to take anything that happened before this seriously if this is the end? And the episode had so much great tone stuff, like the like the the terror of uh of people like getting sick like in the presence of their coworkers and stuff was was very well played and very uh very frightening. And then and then yeah, it's <laughs> so goofy the way they they wrap it up. The last beat of the episode didn't need to be silly. They could have just gone with something else. Yeah. They could have gone with, uh, like, O'Brien tearfully reuniting with his family. Why is illness only depicted in Star Trek as sweating and feverish? (laughs) Like, I can't remember ever seeing anyone throw up in Star Trek. Have you? Hmm. Yeah. I guess because they don't ever show what the bathroom looks like. Right. Man, that is so weird to think that a set determines what illnesses are possible on your show. Yeah. It would have been fun if they were just all like the exorcist style projectile <laughs> vomiting <laughs> the entire time. I would have loved that so much. Kira, you got to get back here. The entire <laughs> promenade is very slippery. <laughs> Odo, get down there with 40 pounds of cat litter. Can Odo turn himself into cat litter? <laughs> I'm glad you're back, Kira. This is not a job that I signed up for. Is that... That is the most indignant job, right? <laughs> the guy who turns himself into cat litter to, to clean up vomit. <laughs> Did you ever work a, uh, a like, you know, the, the job that a 15, 16-year-old has, like I had, working in a grocery store? You're bagging groceries, but you're also cleaning up messes. I was cat litter guy once. That sucks. But, to, oh, but like, tell you what's lower on the rung of, of duties than that is becoming cat litter i am become cat litter destroyer of vomit (laughs) 
When you had to clean up vomit with cat litter, did you go down to the cat litter aisle and get some cat litter, or was there, like, a supply of vomit cat litter? Ben, you'd be surprised at what you're allowed to do of your own agency when there's vomit on the floor of a grocery store. <laughs> you're basically given carte blanche to, to get what you need and get it done. If you need to go get a few Wagyu steaks out of the cooler and throw those down on the vomit just to make it seem less appalling, go for it. I was I was getting rags and Old Spice. <laughs> Wrapping them around my face. Well, Ben, did you like this episode? Um, I think it's kind of a, uh, like a, a solid C. Like, it's uh, not really... Not really the show showing what it is, what its like upper possibilities are. It's not totally terrible though, and there are some fun ideas and sequences in it. I like the, I like the character moment of Kira just taking that guy against his will and then like revealing to him that he is exposed to the to the illness. Like, right. like that uh, that really sets a tone for what she is all about. Um. And, and in an interesting way, I like I like some of the special effects in the episode, but uh, overall, it's not not really one of my faves. It's weird to think that you need stakes higher than death, but I feel like I wanted some higher stakes than what we got. Like the the disability to speak or understand to me felt like it needed to be the counterpoint to some need to do so mission wise. You know, like if it just felt like something was missing from the episode to heighten those stakes even more. I don't know. I feel like if you're if you're making up a a space virus, you really like the sky is really the limit on what it does. So, yeah. And and this seems like less imaginative that I than I would hope. Like if you and I were spitballing what a space virus would do on the edge of space and the virus could do anything and it could even come from a another part of even further weirder space i gotta believe that you and i would come up with something way grosser <laughs> and i think that's what i wanted like this just is cause everybody nine, to right? nurk each other all the time <laughs> gross uh that's super gross nurk virus <laughs> Well, uh, one thing that makes me feel a little creeped out every time is the reading of some Priority One messages, Ben. You want to see if we have any of those? Let us see. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, our first Priority One message is from Lieutenant Commander Oliver of the USS Caligari, and it is for Plavim, most divine and great leader. <laughs> it goes like this. Though I have been a loyal follower, your latest message has cut me deeply. In your zeal, you lumped me in with those malcontent and scoundrel rascals. You forsook me. <laughs> and I see that I now have no choice but to wear the shameful, lowly mantle of a rascal. It is with much sorrow that I must say, go fuck yourself, Plavim. May wow. Lieutenant, may Commander Graves forgive me. I really expected him to say Plavim's was the superior intellect, but <laughs> not the case. Not the case because it clearly isn't true. <laughs> Strong work from Team Rascals. 
man, Team Rascal's growing by the day. Plavim really painting himself into a corner. <laughs> you gotta, uh, you gotta go with the surgical strikes, Plavim. You can't just, uh, you can't just shoot blunderbuss everywhere. <laughs> ben, our second priority one message is from a really cool dude, aka this person, aka Neil Timmons, aka <laughs> Lord Timmons. Five-time holder of the WCT belt. It is for Ben and Adam, but not Ben Hosp, because fuck that guy. And to Sykes, yes, I have your challenge coin. (laughs) Message goes like this. Thank you for two super fun shows in Philly and D.C. Ben Hosp gets bitter beer face when, (laughs) when with Lord Timmons and the belt. Will Kevin tag in to hit Ben Hosp from the top rope? Like a renegade hoosnock. Texas Chainsaw Masters is November 9th through 12th. Ben Hosp, your fate awaits. <laughs> Shout out to the Trek CC site. Keep up the great work. Ben, I remember this guy. This really feels like a like it's in Darmok language, but like on a whole nother level. This guy, Lord Timmons, I remember sitting fairly close to the stage during the DC show. Oh, was quite, he in? Was he in quite regalia? Disruptive. Oh yeah, he was. Uh, he had the, he had a wrestling belt. Either either he was incredibly drunk, or a friend of his was. Yeah, and it was a little bit of a scene, as I remember. I I, I think I re- I think it was a friend of his. That- yeah, I think they brought a guy who had never seen our show before and decided to uh, self defense drink. <laughs> Yow. Oh man, I hope that guy is a. Uh, Hangover is almost over. <laughs> I don't think I would survive drinking that much. But uh, whatever gets you through one of our famously fun Greatest Gen live shows. Well, if you would like to procure a Priority One message, uh, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal message and 200 for a commercial message. And I guess the way we're doing it going forward is that they'll be sold in kind of like six month chunks and if you go to maximumfund.org slash jumbotron and you don't see the greatest generation available for sale uh you can just shoot an email to drunkshimoda at gmail.com and we should be able to give you a date for when they will go on sale and uh and uh thank you to <laughs> all of the viewers who have gotten priority one messages uh it's amazing how uh, how popular this program has been and we yeah, really a, appreciate it. It's a big deal to, to be able to depend on uh, them for the production of the show. So thanks. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! Oh, this one was easy for me, Ben. <laughs> this is an easy mark. At the very end, things are coming to a crescendo. Odo is fucking around with the, uh, with, the, with the docking clamps, flipping switches and pulling levers and, and sending the ship away. Cork, meanwhile, up on the command level, is going crazy from the stress. <laughs> so stressed out that as the ship explodes, he sort of cross-handholds his own head. Yeah, he kind like, of like Madonna vogues his head. Yeah, like he reaches over the top of his head, grabs one ear, and then... And then grabs the opposite side of his face with his other hand and grabs the other ear. It's a, it's a coping thing I've never seen a Ferengi do, 
But I'd like to know more about whether or not it's like canonical Ferengi coping mechanism because it was sort of a tight close-up on his face. And that whole cross-handed head grab was was bizarre. So <laughs> to me, like, he's my Shimoda. What a weird move. <laughs> How about you, Ben? Good Shimoda, Adam. Uh, my Shimoda is the, uh, is the Bajoran nurse that we talked about earlier. Anne Gillespie portrayed her. Uh, <laughs> there's just a fun scene where they go down to the, like, to the to the sick ward where everybody in everybody in there has aphasia but her and every single person that she interacts with she like acts confused that they don't understand her and she doesn't understand them like like it happens like three times in rapid succession where somebody will come up to her and be like you know doorknob bouncy ball rug hat and she goes what huh huh what (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't understand you. You have to go lie down now. As they say, doctors prescribe, nurses provide. And Gillespie does a terrible job here as, <laughs> as Nurse Jabara. Not a yeah. great nurse, not a great mom to Steve Sanders. A little bit of a typecast here. Mm. <laughs> you think it's uh, you think it's something that's wrong with Anne Gillespie? <laughs> no. I think it's something that is wrong with the script that Anne Gillespie was act- asked to portray. <laughs> that's the truth, yeah. Uh much love to Anne Gillespie. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I could use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about Microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. 
Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Ben, what do we have coming up on the next episode? Next episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine is Season 1, Episode 5, Captive Pursuit. O'Brien befriends the prey in another worldly hunting game. Can he and the rest of the officers save the being from a life in captivity? It sounds like a uh, a real alien versus predator type situation. You know, every science fiction show needs a the most dangerous game episode. Mm-hmm. Like, it sounds like that's what we got coming up. That is what it sounds like, Adam. Um, we've... Uh, We've had uh, some conversations, you and I, about what we should do in lieu of vetoes, because I don't think, I mean, I've seen Deep Space Nine all the way through. I think you've probably seen it, uh, seen most of the episodes, but uh, I don't think either of us remembers it as strongly as we do TNG. So it would be disingenuous. It's it's like I have an aphasia. With respect to Deep Space Nine, Ben. That's you, how little I remember of it. You look at the episodes, but they make no sense to you. Right. Uh, one uh, one thing that has been suggested is some mechanic whereby we get drunk. And I really like that. And I'm wondering if, uh, if we can build some sort of like, some sort of way we can hold this over each other's heads. Well... I love the idea of getting drunk for episodes. <laughs> I don't really view it as a punishment or a weapon that we can wield at each other because like if I if I cursed you, if I smote you with getting drunk, I would want to get drunk with you. So yeah. like the idea would be that we would both drink for the episode. So what if it's just a random a random thing if we put if we put it into a random number generator and we find out whether or not we are getting drunk for an episode and we have a like we have uh, the number of chances of episodes in that season i love that idea the randomization makes it sound uh like a landmine like a drunk <laughs> landmine and i'm all for it okay i'm going to a random number generator website 
so how many episodes are there in season one of this show? So, Adam, there are 19 total episodes in season one of this series, um, and we've already watched four of them, so uh, we've got to back those out. So we need a, a random number between 1 and 15, and uh, I'm going to generate that number now and see if our next episode is the one for which we tie one on. So, wait a second. Like, by rolling one, would that make the next episode the drinking episode? Yes. Okay. Okay. And I'm rolling. <laughs> I, got, I literally got one. What? I'm not kidding. I'm gonna skip, I'm gonna send you a screenshot of this right now. No fucking way. <laughs> wow. I just I just sent you proof. That is bonkers. Yeah. Uh, message is authentic. We have a screenshot. <laughs> Of a one on the random number generator. <laughs> Holy shit. I well, think that the, the, the crazy thing about this is we'll generate random numbers until the end of this season, and it could happen for any episode. <laughs> oh, no. It could, it could happen multiple times a season. I, uh, I like that, actually. I like yeah. the constant threat. <laughs> it keeps it interesting. Sure does. Oh, shit. That is bonkers. Well, let's uh, let's come up with something to drink between now and the next episode, and we'll uh, leave our viewers in suspense. Okay. Uh, our viewers don't have to wait to comment about the show or any of the stupid things we've said. Uh, they're welcome to go on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. I'm on there as at CuffertimeBen, Ben is there as at Benjamin R. A-H-R. If you'd like to... Uh comment about the show to directly to us uh you can send an email to drunkshimoda at gmail.com um and if you'd like to uh help us promote the show go to apple podcasts and leave a nice review or leave a nice review of the show wherever you think people might see it uh it's a uh, like word of mouth is the way they, these things get out there and grow and uh we've been very lucky so far with that and uh, we really appreciate everybody that uh, that helped get the word out about our program yeah I mean growing the listenership is pretty critical to the survival of the show so to the degree we can do that uh, it really is a big help if you'd uh, like to join a group uh, and talk even more you can go to reddit there's a greatest gen subreddit and there's a great maximum fun subreddit there's also a greatest gen facebook group and there's a even a facebook group for the greatest discovery our sister podcast yeah i would definitely invite you to check that out if you're watching star trek discovery we should thank dark materia for our theme music and adam ragusia who is slowly taking over our theme music piece by piece and with and, that, and oh, and with, it's my job now, Ben. I know, I know. And with that, we'll see you next time for another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of the Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine that's hunted for sport <laughs> while drunk. <laughs> it makes it more interesting.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.